What's happening, you delicious human people out there? My name's Joel and I'm here with Luke. Hey, Joel. And this is the First Step Theology Podcast where we discuss our glorious God so that we all might love and enjoy him in a greater way. How are you, good sir? I am well and happy 30th, my friend. Happy 30th birthday. I mean, podcast. Ep 30. Well done. Congratulations. We made on it. it thus far. You know what they say about 30s? Never been kissed. Uh, sure. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Which one's the one that's supposed to be never... I think it's Sweet 16, Never Been Kissed. Yeah, right. My dad used to say growing up, Sweet 16, Never Been Kissed, On the Bum. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not elaborate. <laughs> How... Uh, so we've been on holidays. We have. We've had a long po- podcasting holiday. Yep. After a short Christmas holiday. Yes. Did you have a good one? Uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. Uh, although I was thinking about the other day, not great summer holidays. No. Well, where's been the where's the stinking hot weather been? Well, yeah, true. Well, we had last week that was uh was warm, but aside from that, aside from that, yeah, it's, it's been, been like moderate weather, hasn't it? Yeah. There you go. Actually, something that the listeners have been. Oh yes. Emailing me, I'm getting pigeons. I'm getting getting handwritten Croissants. letters, SMSs. They want to know, Luke, how is the summer of fitness going? Oh, Joe, the things I could tell you, the training I've been putting <laughs> my body through has been not well, Joel. Okay. Not well. How but, so? But, well, first and foremost, mm. the, the biggest undoing to my summer of fitness is, you yeah. know our good mates at Twirl? Cabri, who make Twirl. <laughs> yes. yes. Our good friends at Cabri <laughs> no, in the Twirl division. No, Do you think there's there. a Twirl division? I hope so. Like there's just like a section of it that's... I've got proof that there is a Twirl division. Okay, how? Because mm. uh, recently, mm. the our friends at Twirl, yep. and oh, just in case you're listening, we have decided unanimously... Mm-hmm. From a vote of two people. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> that twirl is the greatest chocolate bar. Yes, best choice of confectionery available. Easy. It's yep. balanced. Yeah. It's not flaky. It's just great. Yeah, it's anyway, twirly. It's twirly. Uh, the great thing about twirls is that they're well balanced, right? Mm. But do you know what My sometimes they might need? A bit of crunch. Well, okay. our friends at Twirl have added the Cadbury Breakaway, mm. which was a pretty good bar in its time. Yeah. And twirl together, mm. Cabri tw- breakaway twirl. There you go. How how is it? I haven't had one. It's I haven't good. even seen them. So at first I thought, oh, this is going to be too intense. What what were they thinking? Yeah, but it's actually delicious. There you go. Yeah. All right. Not as good as the OG because the OGs. Yeah, the traditional. The traditional. It's the uh, yeah. I'm a tradi- traditionalist at heart, but certainly one in three. I'd probably go a breakaway. Really? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. So you've had one today then? No. <laughs> oh, bummer. But I might yeah. drop by into my home. You know what? Jen, <laughs> Jen, my summer <laughs> fitness yeah. out. Look, oh, yeah, that's the, the good thing is started. I'm not getting fat. I'm like, I'm, I'm holding You're things maintaining. off. I'm maintaining. Yeah. I'm doing a few things. I went for a bike ride last night. Beautiful. Saw a snake. There you go. Yeah. Um, just thinking as you're talking about this yes. is why don't we have a Cabri sponsor? Because we talk about twirls a lot. We <laughs> <You> should. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's weird that they yeah. wouldn't want to give us It seems like the money. market they'd be interested yeah, in. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, the, the niche big as broad market. <laughs> podcasts. To yeah. Speaking of the market. Yes. Uh, this is a resource for, um, for Gospel Life Church Adelaide. <laughs> And uh, so if you're new or visiting with us on our podcast, we're so glad that you're here. Mm. And uh, we are discussing a good topic today. Yeah, a good one. We finished our little series mm. on uh, uh, salvation. Yeah. And so we've, we've got a few little ones we want to just throw in. specials. Yeah. Specials. 
Species specials. Species. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, carry on with the, the rest of... Um, yeah. And actually what this planned. came out of, yes. as well as a sermon that we did recently, which uh, you can find through our Gospel Life um, podcast channel. Yes. Um, about It's called, uh, it's number 34 on John, the true shepherd. Yep. Um, but also I was having a discussion with someone about a segment that we uh, did last season at some point that didn't kick off at all. It was fun when we did it <laughs> on uh, our worst sermons. Yes, from you know our past uh, walks of life when we uh, made good old mistakes <laughs> down a certain alleyway. Yes, and uh, and I, I brought up the uh, the message that I did on John eleven, which you actually just preached on, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. um, about Lazarus being brought back to life. Yes, and how I had <laughs> made the <laughs> wonderfully embarrassing mistake of uh, titling a message. I hope it was at youth and it wasn't at church, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it probably wasn't. Yeah. Um, titled "God's Not Done Yet." Great, and how I can imagine what that probably was about is how God, being exampled through Jesus, being bringing Lazarus back to life is that God can bring all your dreams and visions for your life that you think so are dead. Good. He can bring them back to life. Preach it to me, And brother. God's not done yet, sir. God's not dead. He is surely alive. Keep on going, please. Okay, thanks. And, um, and so anyway, I was telling that story to someone who was asking about our podcast and all sorts of stuff. Yep. And, uh, and they asked a genuine question, which was, what's wrong with that? Yeah, so like what's wrong with a new Christian reading a text like that yeah what's wrong with getting that out of the yeah, text? yeah yeah okay yeah so i answer that question like obviously um a new christian you doesn't shouted them down no, yeah exactly yeah like we do all new christians <laughs> <laughs> and um and just explain to them obviously we can't force them to and we can't expect them to think that way but we as teachers and as preachers mm-hmm. want to make sure that we are teaching and preaching in such a way that isn't um, proclaiming what a text could mean, mm. but instead uh, simply revealing and proclaiming what the word does say. So why is that an issue? Well, the issue is for that for that new believer, we want yep. them to grow in maturity so that they can understand what the text says. But as yep. a preacher, like in our in our sphere of uh, what we do, quite often, yep, is it's an issue to say that uh, the healing, the raising of Lazarus. Lazarus <laughs> is about God bringing our dreams and visions back to life, is that it places the onus of interpretation back on the congregation. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Like in the sense that I say uh, God wants to, God's not done with your dream yet. Yep. Okay, that's a huge blanket statement. Big time. And that dream, in quotations, could mean anything. Yeah. That could mean something quite genuine and righteous. Mm-hmm. And something terrifically wrong. Yeah. Terrifically wrong. Yeah. Or something that's even supposedly good, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I have a dream of having a husband, being married one day. Yeah. But in fact, that God may not... No, that's not me. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, But that may actually not be what God has for you. Yeah, that's right. And and it also uh, alludes to a a bigger issue of that is that you're not... We're not teaching them to read the word properly. Mm. As in, when the book of John yeah. was written and inspired by the Holy Spirit, mm. it 
uh, had a purpose behind it. Certainly. Now, that doesn't mean that there's different applications to that purpose. But what you're talking about there is not an application. What you're talking about is an interpretation. Certainly, yeah. And so um, we need to be teaching and Mm. reminding ourselves constantly uh, of uh, what the text is actually saying. Certainly. Because that person actually misses what the text was saying, which was about who Christ is. The resurrection and the life. And a heart that uh, is to for the destruction of sin. Yeah, which is like just robbing the congregation of yeah. that beautiful word of the gospel. As you were just saying that, I had this thought, right? Imagine if, um, so we preach the message that God's not done yet with your dream or vision. Yeah. And uh, we get teleported or someone in our congregation gets the, the marriage thing out of it. You know, yeah. I... Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, that. God's not done with my dream yep. to be that's how they interpret it, to to be married. Yeah. Right? You get teleport that person gets teleported back in time to uh, the evangelist John. Great. Who's just written his gospel and he's <laughs> pumped about it. And and uh, you've just read John eleven with him and, yeah. and he goes, So 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 how amazing is this that that Jesus brings dead <laughs> sinners to life? Yeah. And and you go, What? Or well, that person goes, what? No, no, no. I got out of it that, that I'm going to be married one day and God's <laughs> not done with that dream. Like that doesn't make any sense. It it just, it, sense. It just, and, and that is the responsibility of the preacher yep. to give the congregation God's word. Yeah. So in line with what you're, you're rambling on about, talking very beautifully about, <laughs> and that sermon which you preached, by the way, mm. absolute cracker. If you haven't, listen to it or what make sure you go and listen to it. So it's number 34 in, in John yep. um, is what we're talking about is the role of a pastor. Yeah. We just wanted to have a chat because some yeah. questions came out of that and just want to elaborate on it more. What a pastor is. That's right. The big thing that came out of your sermon mm. and out of that text that we're talking about in John chapter 10 yeah. is the weight of the role of mm. being an under shepherd Certainly. To the grand shepherd. The true shepherd, Jesus. Who is Jesus. Yeah. And it's it's weighty and and we think mm. um, that sometimes we treat it way too lightly. Certainly. As a church in general. Yeah. A capital C church. Yeah. Universal. Um, we, we treat it way too lightly. And so we just want to have a bit Big of a time. chat around what is the role of a pastor. Yeah. So let's do it. Good mm. sir. So if you could if you could sum up uh, the the role of a pastor into kind of like a sentence, maybe even three words, Joel. Oh. How would you <laughs> how would you, you define it? me up for this answer? Have you? <laughs> he needs that help. Well, actually, maybe just before I jump no, no, to no, that, answer my question, buddy. No, no keep going. Well, yeah, is um a great recommendation. First of all, yes, but is a book. Yes, um by Harold Sankbeil. Yep. Who, uh, who's a Lutheran minister, yes. so he's from a different denomination to us, but he has some great oh, wisdom yeah. on pastoral ministry. And his book is called Care of Souls. And yes. So we would recommend that to anyone, especially, especially, especially anyone aspiring to eldership or, or yep. pastoral ministry. Or even in that role right now. Certainly. And uh, But w- something we want to make clear and why we're going to be quite passionate on this podcast yes. is uh, we are right in the midst of pastoring. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, we recognize that we are green. So green. We are fresh as daisies. And, yep. um, and so we're learning. 
yep. as well. And we are in the process of being challenged and stretched and, and growing in this area. And we're, we're not yep. going to hide that or yep. or pretend to be anything that we're not. Yeah. Plus, trying to raise new yeah elders. And so so it's all happening. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we're doing a lot of reading, a lot of uh, of growing ourselves in this area. And so I don't know about you, Luke, but I just feel full up on this topic. Yeah, uh, yeah. As in full to the t- brim on this topic and, yep. and overflowing, and so, but also feel very inadequate by this topic, mm, which is maybe <laughs> the best place to be. Yeah, I need <laughs> Jesus so yeah, bad. Totally. Yeah. So, what's the name of that book? The Tell name the of that book is "The Care of Souls." Yep. And so, I think that is a great uh, way mm. to describe what a pastor is. He is one that cares for souls. Okay. So. Before we go any further, we've used multiple times in this conversation mm. uh, different things. Mm. So I've spoken about elders, you've spoken yep. about elders, and we've also said pastors. True. So uh, what are we meaning when we're are they different things, or what? What does Scripture talk about when it? Yes, yeah. good question, Luke. No worries. It's Thank about you. time you learnt these things. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, first of all, what is a pastor and what is an elder? And and you may also, if you've been reading the Bible in the New Testament, the Bible will refer also to overseers. Yep. Or bishops. Yep. As well. Now, ultimately, these are synonyms for one another. Yeah, that's right. An overseer is an elder, an elder is a pastor, a pastor is an elder, and, and so on and so forth. These are yep. all different words to describe the same position, yep. the same role. Yeah. Right? Now, in our day and age, we generally use pastors. Mm-hmm. Some churches will use ministers. Yep. Um, or all are fine, uh, or, or elders. We will refer to to ours as elders mm-hmm. and and sparingly pastors, pastors here and yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and so so yeah, just so you're aware, they're they're all the same. Now we also yep. mentioned elders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Plurality. That's right. Plural. Yeah. So we would then uh, uh, would also say that the testimony of Scripture yeah. is that it is not generally one as in a pastor or um, you know, an, an individual elder, even within small congregations, we yeah. see that um, Scripture testifies mm. that there is, uh, in fact, um, multiple elders. A great example of this is when Paul is writing to Titus, mm. um, who he has um, he left in Crete. Crete? Crate. He left in a crate. Put him in a crate. <laughs> Let's stay there. Do you know what? As, when I was growing up, one of my greatest fears... Was that there was someone who had rigged up my bed to become a crate? What and just enclose you in? In and then drop me in the ocean. Oh yeah. So I used to sleep Good with prank. my arm outside the wind, my bed. Yep. Thinking that if the crate started to close, it would wake me up, and so I could try and escape. Wow. That's a window into my mentalness. That is so weird. That's so weird. <laughs> wow. It spooked me for like weeks. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So if anyone wants to tune out now, <laughs> might be a good time. Yeah. Titus 1.5 says, This is why I left you in Crete, <laughs> in Crete, uh, so that you might put what remained uh, into order. So he's obviously clearing up a few issues within that church and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, uh, And then uh, if you look uh, in Ephesians, yep. it's written to uh, the, the elders there and, and then uh, many other times yeah. is spoken of of raising elders. elders. Plural. Plurality of elders. It's not a a head honcho that leads the church, but rather the church is spiritually governed by a plurality of elders, a group of elders. Yep. And uh, and so, yeah, so that's what we're talking about, right? And and these elders, their primary role 
is the care of souls. Mm. Now, in the context of what we have been talking about is we recognize that Jesus is the true shepherd. Yes. And so it is the elders or the pastor's role not yep. to have people follow them. No. And jump on their bandwagon and, and give them the thumbs up every day and dandy. But rather, it is their job to help. And so are you saying there's no thumbs up allowed in church <laughs> No at all? thumbs up. Okay, That's good. what I tell our people. Don't thumbs up, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Only thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a pastor's role yep. to help the congregation yeah, follow okay. Jesus. Not, yep. not to follow them. That's right. Okay, so... Um, it can, can almost seem like a, this big idea to have care of souls. So let's yeah, let's break it down huge. a little bit. Mm. Um, I think um, the best way to explain it is as um, it is put by Luke in Acts 6. Possibly yeah, that's probably a good way to do If we look at it practically, what a pastor does. Yeah. Yeah, because that's often a question. I don't know if you get it. People often yeah. say it jokingly. What do you actually do with your time? <laughs> yeah. Right, as a pastor, like you yes. you play golf and drink coffee and you get all those sorts of jokes and stuff. But yeah. Which I do none of those. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Just right. <laughs> yeah, can I say? You just don't drink coffee and no. um, you're too lanky for golf. Why would I ruin a bad walk? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, a good walk. A good walk, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so what does a pastor do? So if we're in Acts 6, do you want to just go there? Yep. Acts 6 is the story of when the church is growing. Yep. And uh, so much so that there are too many people and a, and a complaint comes that, you know, not everyone's being fed. Mm. Like there's just not enough hands to to help with the work. Yep. And so the apostles that are that are leading the church at the time, they decide that they are going to appoint deacons yes right and so in verse three uh, the apostles say this they say therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of the spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty this duty being like the practical needs Mm. of the church at the time and verse four want uh, everybody to catch this (laughs) (laughs) but we but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word okay we so, will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So an elder mm. is somebody who care who has the care of souls yep. under Christ and how they do it is through the, the ministry of prayer mm. and the word. Certainly, yeah. And like when the apostles say that, let's also be clear, a pastor's not an apostle. We're just going to yep. uh, dampen that down. Yep. But, we've spoken uh, about this before. Yeah, we have a great example here of what, a, what the leaders of the church are doing in the early church and what they still need to be doing today. Yes. And we see this example continue throughout Scripture, just so we're clear. Yeah, and church history. Yeah, but it says that they devote themselves. Mm-hmm. That, that's not like attacking on to the other other things that they do as primary functions. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Their devotion is given yes. to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Yeah. Like that's that's big. That is really big. In caring for souls, in caring for the church. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big idea, particularly in uh, the world that we live in, which is heat's pragmatic, isn't it? Yeah. And so there's that that pressure of going, hold on a second. So you have somebody mm. in your church who is paid or unpaid, depending on what the situation is. Yep. To devote themselves mm. to prayer and the word. Yeah. Like that's. It's almost anti-prag, like as in anti-practical, like anti getting stuff done. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but that is the that is the priority of their mm. role. Well, uh, we've talked about this um, before. 
Yeah. In that, you know, I'm uh, so I run a business as well, and doing a, a couple of <laughs> couple of things. Stop. And uh, so I'm not full time in ministry, but still, like my um, my natural tendency is a pragmatic one. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm the person that writes a list, and I go through that list, and once it's all ticked off, I write another list. Sort of person. Like I, yeah. I get stuff done. I'm a I'm a doer in many sense. And so it's a constant challenge for me. And I have to be reminded mm. that in, in my pastoral role, my primary responsibility is the ministry of prayer and of the word. Yep. And that is opposite mm. to the achievement of getting stuff done Yeah, quite often. So if we, so we're just saying that's, that's almost like the private side yeah, of being a, of 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 being a, a carer of souls, a pastor, right? Mm. Is that your private side? Mm. Is that you are in the Word? Yep, and you are uh, praying, right? Yeah. Why is that so important for a pastor to do that? Well, well, first and foremost, with prayer, yeah, a, a pastor must be praying for the congregation. Mm. Must be praying that souls would be encouraged and nurtured and cared for. But then also souls would be saved because yeah. ultimately as pastors, we recognize that we aren't Jesus, what? right? We're not the true shepherd. We're not, yep. we're not God. We're not saving anybody. Nah. We're not healing broken wounds. We're not, we're not doing that. That's mm. what God's doing. And so we pray that he would continue to do that. Yep. That certainly that he would use us and he would use our meager attempts and efforts to sure. work through. But, um, we're relying upon God through prayer, yep, and then interceding for our congregation, all those sorts of things. Yep. Uh, when it comes to the ministry, of the word that in the private aspect, we need to be studying the word. Mm. Like, a, a, and this is where it links with the public aspect that we'll get to. But, but pastors who are teaching the church, yep. Imagine if you had a pastor who's teaching the church what the Bible says and they don't know what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No sense. (laughs) That's like in any vocation, you're not going to hire a plumber (laughs) that doesn't know pipes. (laughs) (laughs) They're like kicking the wall. Yeah, it seems seems sturdy. That's not the pipe, buddy. Yeah, so there's a private aspect. Now, more than simply preparing for public, it's also... Loving Jesus mm. and loving His Word and valuing God's Word so much that they are filling their lives with it as an example, and uh, and a, the drawing near the intimacy with Christ. That's right. It's, mm. it's I think when you um, frame the role of a pastor or the frame a pastor as one who is an under shepherd to the shepherd, or yep. like as um, in Harold's book, mm. um, as a sheepdog. Right, mm. <laughs> is that uh, a sheepdog is always looking to the shepherd, you know? Yes. It's, it's always going back yeah. to the shepherd. It gets all its affirmation from the shepherd. It doesn't get the affirmation from the sheep, you know. Like it is all about the shepherd and enjoying the shepherd, Brilliant. right? Mm. In the same way, is that that is your primary mm. where you get everything that you need. Uh, if I am going to our congregation and the people that um, I love, mm. and I'm giving them my best advice, yeah. Who cares? I've got nothing to give anybody but Christ. Totally. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm leading them to myself. I'm a sheepdog trying to be a shepherd at the same time. Mm. It makes zero sense. For sure. And yeah. so uh, that's why the primary role is to build their life on the Word of God. Certainly. Even um, Paul in First Corinthians, when he's talking about uh, the apostles, those who are really founding the church at the time, he says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ mm. and stewards of the mysteries of God. 
Great. So servants of Christ, the the sheepdog to the shepherd, yeah. right? Um, waiting for the call and whistle to do what he calls them to do, right? To to yep. gather, care, protect the keep the them in flock. line. Yeah, Arr. exactly. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Yeah. Now, mysteries of God certainly in the first few chapters of Corinthians, Jesus is uh, Jesus. Paul is talking about the simple folly gospel mm. of Christ crucified. He's not talking about like like crazy dreams and visions and all this sorts of stuff. He's talking about Christ crucified for sinners. Yep. And uh, and so we are stewards of the mysteries of God, mm. the mystery of God that was hidden throughout the ages yep. and has now come to be known to the church mm. through Christ, and now we have it in his word. That's right. That all... Gentiles, mm. all people are brought in. Anyone is brought into the kingdom of God. Certainly. So, uh, so that's the, the the private aspect of the ministry of the word and of prayer. So, what about yep. the public aspect? Yeah. So, I I think probably two things you can break it down into is governing. Yep. And keeping watch. Boomtown. So, governing is yep. you've done Boomtown in ages. Well, we just started off again. Boomtown, brother. <laughs> yeah. uh, governing is uh, the leading of the church on mission. So that is to make sure that the church are following the mission of the Grand Shepherd. Yes. Uh, so we've kind of covered that a little bit, but that's through mm. preaching and teaching. Uh, that's through um, yeah, leading and yeah, yep, and and being a servant to your uh, community uh, in in that way. Mm. Um, uh, so that would be the primary role of governing. Um, which the the thing is, governing and keeping watch really they they interchange a fair bit, don't Same they? Thing, yeah. But uh, so then that ties then again into keeping watch over, mm. which is uh, to make sure that the church being on mission is theologically right. Correct. And so dealing with wolves, which Paul goes into great detail of talking mm. about wolves, certainly the wolves that rise up from within, yeah, the congregation, yeah, um, and you know that uh, theologically loves and protects them. Like if you think about that sheepdog, certainly. You know, like it, we have sheep; they they go wandering. You know, you don't need to be a shepherd to know that. Like sheep aren't geniuses, and they yeah. they go on you know whatever direction. But the sheepdog comes in and he pulls them back into line, going, "No, no, no, you're going in a wrong direction." Mm. Yeah, certainly. And you, how are you supposed to know what the right direction is if you're not with a shepherd? For sure. Yeah. So it's an elder or a pastor's responsibility uh, as yes. as a group, really, to. Um, ensure that we, as the church, remain yep. faithful to what we believe. Mm, good, I like that. And we believe being predicated and founded upon God's word. Yes. And then, um, you know, traditional Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, which is built upon God's word anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. So, um, so in the in the public now, thinking more practically. Yes. Um. The ministry of the word and of prayer it could include um, sitting down with a couple that are having marriage difficulties mm-hmm. and applying the gospel to that situation. Yeah, um, and and teaching potentially, and then praying for them. Yep, and continuing to pray for them. Yep, and it could involve uh, or does involve preaching on a Sunday. Yep, or teaching in a small group. Yep, or. Um, training new leaders train, to, yeah. to help. Certainly. Yep. yep. In small groups and, and all that kind of stuff. Certainly. Yeah. Yep. So so the, the public aspect is far broader than just preaching, right? Yeah, yeah. But it is, um, yeah, uh, maybe an example as well that, that, you know, we're thinking about at the moment is mm. around new issues that come up as well. 
Yeah, sure. So as an eldership, we're currently preparing mm. um, to deal with the issue in our state of gender, mm. more and more so as gender is now fluid. Yeah, yeah. And so where do we as a church stand on that? That's right. I think that's quite clear. But how do we deal with that? Yeah. And how do what we approach that issue? of that? Ed, Certainly. All of that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's these sorts of things that the eldership is discussing, right? That's right. And mm. it's not necessarily uh, to address the world on this. No. But it's actually, um, uh, it's to deal with the wolves within the church. Because mm. there's sure. some rubbish ideas coming from within the church at the moment about gender. Yeah. And so, you know, like totally. we have to protect our congregation from those lies. Yeah, absolutely. And to help them to actually love one another through it certainly yeah huge so, and uh, and that's big and and that's a good point that w- yeah we need to make like the the threat to the church has always yeah. been the greatest threat to the church has always been from internal places not externally you even look in the in the new testament right yeah. the external threats of persecution of the roman empire of you know, different ideologies and beliefs about sexuality and all those sorts of things. Yep. Certainly warned against, mm. but the greatest warning and threat in the New Testament yeah, that's is right. against the wolves that will arise among you, as Paul says to the, to the elders in Ephesus, in Acts. And, and so, uh, and that's the same today. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, the church will be persecuted. And I think possibly that we as a church have got a little bit messed up in this. Mm. That we, we've been so focusing on hating the world and separating ourselves from this world mm. that we've missed the fact that there are some horrific wolves that are big <laughs> yeah, yeah. living within our communities totally. we have to deal with. Yeah, eating sheep. Eating sheep, left, right and centre. Yeah. Shall we, uh, shall we take a break and then we'll come back to the yeah. more practical side of things? Sick of driving around a tight bend only to have to slam on your brakes because a lycra-wrapped human on two wheels is going 12 kilometers an hour up a hill? Well, no more. Introducing the Cycle Finder. You know fish finders, those little screens on fishing vessels that show you where the fishies are underneath the boat using sonar? Well, the Cycle Finder uses radar technology to let you know when a cyclist is hiding just around the tight corner ahead. The display in your car will scream lycra, lycra at the top of its lungs, warning you to slow down and watch out for the person that thinks they are too good to drive a vehicle like everyone else. All cyclists will soon be required to get a small chip, which shows up as only a little mark on the right hand or the forehead, allowing the cycle finder to track them wherever they are. No more wearing down your brakes or getting nasty dents in your car. If you're a cyclist, it's nothing personal. We just don't like you. Seek the cycle finder today. Great. Um, <laughs> do you like the mark of the beast yeah, very reference? Good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, yeah. So just FYI, Joel did wrote that in five minutes. That's so <laughs> impressive. Quick throw. You need help. Yeah, I gotta repent. Um, <laughs> so pastoring. Yeah. Pastoring is the care of souls mm-hmm. that we primarily do through the ministry of the word. And the ministry of prayer. Yes. Um, how yeah. has our culture uh, redefined, redefined what it has been, what it is to be as a pastor? <laughs> Fumble my way through that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, this is really interesting because I think if we were to look around at what is what popular culture has dictated 
the church to look like or what you know leadership and popular culture possibly looks like is we don't necessarily see what we've just described as the beautiful things mm. but we actually see a a pastor type that is like a ceo yeah totally one who has to be a a, an, a visionary one who is to be um I don't know, this big charismatic type for everyone to follow after. Yeah. Like uber gifted. Yep. Um, like the... Cr- Trendy. Pick of the bunch. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Really that, handsome looking. For sure. And and sort of like uh, manages yeah. all the people and... and um, Protects the brand. Ministry. Yeah, totally. So they're, they're a marketing manager and they're the, the people manager. They're and influencer. The visionary and, and all of these things that ultimately don't align with what the Bible says. Yeah. You'd agree? Yeah, I would say so. And, and I think um, possibly what has happened is that we have made culture kind of ultimate in this and missed out that when mm. scripture teaches us to look for an elder, it gives us quite a specific qualification. It's true. So in, in Titus and also in first Timothy three, um, uh, both similar, but I'll read first Timothy three for you today. It says this, um, that if anyone does, uh, aspires to the office of an overseer or an, an elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not Mm. quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. But if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. I can't help but say devil that way. Devil. There you go. So, like, okay, so if we look at this, which is uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, Mm. who uh, is in Ephesus. Is that right? Timothy's leading in Ephesus at this time? Let's say he is. Um. Uh, yeah, remain in Ephesus. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, he's instructing him, as he did at Titus, to um, to raise elders. Yeah. And so he gives him an instruction on what these elders should look like. Now, you notice in there, it is mainly about character. Totally. Now, yeah. there's some competencies, but these competencies are probably not the ones that we're looking for. And like, they really point to character anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's right. It talks about faithfulness when it's talking about... Um, you know, uh, managing their ha- household. own household. Yep. Loving their wives, it, yeah. It's talking about that they should be above reproach, not just mm. a good person, but someone that people inside and outside the church look to and go, that yep. person, there's yep. something different about that person. Trust them, yep. They're trustworthy. So it, it talks more about character than competencies. Yeah. And excludes charisma. What? Excludes gifting and... And, yeah. and and influence and like because the I think one of the m- most interesting things about this list is what a, it is not required of a pastor. Mm. Like it doesn't say that they must be an exceptional um, preacher. Yeah, or a be able to gain a real great following on social media. Yeah, or, or be a great at accounts. Yeah, yeah, or be really visionary. Yeah, like there is there is no requirement. None. None. None at all. Yeah. That a pastor must be any of those things. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that those things are not bad. 
you know, like as in for someone to have vision. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's a fine thing. They're, yeah. they're, they're good things. Certainly. But yeah. they are not the qualifications of an elder. No, it's not what is required. I think that's so freeing. Yeah. I love D.A. Carson's quote yeah. that, uh, that I'll ruin, but <laughs> I can't remember it exactly. But he says that an elder yep. isn't a man who is extraordinarily gifted. Yeah. But he is a man who does ordinary things yep. extraordinarily well. Yeah. He, he these are character things that are ordinary. Yeah. But a pastor elder does these things so well as an example mm. to the church. Yeah. That they care for. Yeah. You know, I just kind of read this as a bit of a warning for the church. Oh, yes. We've seen a lot and particularly recently mm. um you know, of a, a fall of a, a, a pastor, and he's mm. kind of in italics, really, if you look at the qualifications that are involved here, mm. um, um, of someone who, yeah, who was a pastor in, in a, of a big church mm. who um, has had all of these things yeah. hidden yeah. for quite some time. Mm. And I think that part of the danger is, and I'm not necessarily saying that this is what's happened here because I am not a part of that organization. I don't no know, idea. Yep. But... Sometimes we would highlight charisma, talent, yeah. sometimes over character. Certainly. And I think that if you were to l- really look at people in your congregation or, or mm. who may not look like that great leader, yeah, but they are leading their family as well. For sure. And they are loving Christ honorably. Absolutely. And they follow that person. Yeah. <laughs> Make that person. Yeah. That boring person. Yeah, that's right. right. Like we are all attracted to the the great preacher mm-hmm. that that uh, puffs us up and tickles our ears, mm. or, or even challenges us. They could be preaching a good certainly, word, certainly. Yeah, um, or maybe charismatic may just be the life of the party. Mm. But uh, again, those things alone don't make them wrong. Yep. But if they are not or do not have the qualifications for a pastor, then let's just be clear, according to the Bible, they may not be a pastor, yeah. even if their job title says so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, can be hard. So in, with that in mind then, yeah, you've got uh, a young man who wants to be a pastor. Sure. An elder within the church. Mm. What would your advice be to them? Because I know you had, a interesting, mm. you had interesting advice early on in the picture for you. Yeah, so I suppose this comes back to... Um, to what a pastor does, I was uh, visiting my wife's then girlfriend's church uh, down in Mount Gambia, and uh, I certainly felt the aspiration to pastoral ministry. And the pastor then knew that, and he knew Tess, and he knew my family somewhat, and and uh, he pulled me aside yeah. into his office, brought me in for a coffee, and we had a good chat. and And uh, he asked me, he said, "So I hear that you um, aspire to pastoral ministry one day." And I said, yeah, yeah. And he, his challenge, his question for me, he said, well, how is your prayer life? Nice. And how is your study of the word? And uh, that is a challenge that I still hold today mm. and, and still need to hold today. Because so this this is a minister who who's been in pastoral ministry for 30, 40 years and, you know, has a, has a great church that is... You know, like any church is, is has got great things going on and then has difficult things going yeah, on yeah. and he's been through all sorts of challenges, ups and downs and would have had so much wisdom and strategic insight for different issues, so many things he could hand on to me 
and, and, and has in other spaces, but when it came to the question of an aspiration to pastoral ministry, his question was, how is your prayer life? Yeah. And how is your time in the Word? Yeah. And, uh, and that is a challenge, right? Because, because we talk about our culture's influence on what a pastor is. Yeah. In that, you know, you need to be the marketing director, the brand manager, you're, you're the photographer, depending on how big the church is you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're visionary, you're strategic, you're all these sorts of things. And all of, a side, all of a sudden prayer and the ministry of the word fits in somewhere. Mm. What were you going to ask him? Like if, if, <laughs> like if, what were you expecting him to say to you? Knowing, like knowing full well he's pulled you into his, his office to... <laughs> Do you know what I would have thought of? What? How well can you preach, son? Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as a kid, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. What what things are you doing? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. How what, many people are you discipling? Yeah, what ministries are you leading? Yeah, because that's how us idiots think, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. also that's the picture we're given. Yeah, yeah. A pastor does all this stuff and is this charismatic and this good a preacher, and and so that's what we're driving for often. Big time. And, and I'm sorry, but that's just not the picture that Scripture gives us. Mm. What would you say to that young man? Oh, look, I think you've hit the nail on the head perfectly there in that we are to be those who love the Word. You know what? Things come and go and change all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, you could preach a good sermon and you yep. can have plenty of people go and pat you on the back and, you know, all that kind of stuff and you can feel really good about yourself. Mm. But when you're preaching a hard word, yeah, when you're laying out to people what the Bible says about gender, totally. right? Or something like that. Whose voice are you going to listen to then? Now, <laughs> yeah. if, if you don't know your savior, mm. if you're not looking at your shepherd, yeah, that word is going to be when people start beating you up. That is, that is a tough pill to swallow. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, so even if you look at it practically, mm. but I think something that uh, you said in your sermon that has kind of stuck with me mm. is that we need to be people who are paramountly, <laughs> we'll go with that, in I love with our saviour. Yes, totally. Yeah, as and, and this comes back to really what is prayer and, and the word. It is loving Jesus. Yeah. The private aspect, it is um, drawing near and, and, and loving Jesus. Yep. And I think what I did say was that a, a, a shepherd... A, you didn't a, use paramountly? A, no, I didn't use that. Okay. A pastor must consider it their greatest privilege. Ah, uh, that's it, P word. To know and love the shepherd rather than to care for the sheep. Yeah. And so, and that has to be true. Yep. Because, you know, so we read the word because we love Jesus and we love his word and, and we pray because we're completely relying upon him in all that we do. Mm. And so that defines who we are. We, we follow the shepherd mm. and we aim to live in a, as an example. And so, you know, I say, we say to our church that, um, that, that they can take away our pulpit, they can take away our position, they can kick us out of the church, but they cannot take away our, our love of the shepherd. Mm. And it's our role, right? Not that our uh, influence would rub off on them or that our love for twirls yeah. and and sport would rub off on them, but that our love for Jesus would rub off on them. Yeah. And that is what we carry. Mm. So much to discern from what you're saying there <laughs> in what we're listening to. Yeah. Who are the big influences in our life? Yeah, good challenge. In, in your own life, who are you 
uh, looking to the most and revealing about yourself. The most.